Hey, hockey fans. Welcome to Across the Pond, Hong Kong's first and only hockey podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ivany, and I'm at the beautiful Sunset Studio with an exciting new guest. But before we get started, here's today's CIHL update brought to you by Yardley Brothers Beer. Got yourself some spicy chicken wings or delicious pizza? What better way to wash it down than with some Yardley Brothers Beer? That's right, folks. We're stoked to have Yardley Brothers Beer as one of our sponsors. These guys are known for their scrumptious sour beers, as well as loads of other delicious brews like Lama Island IPA, Hong Kong Bastard Imperial Ale, Quincy Job Saison, and my favorite, Machine Man Pale Ale. Want to get some of this delicious stuff inside your belly? You can find it at the Globe, Hill 65, Roundhouse, or Lama Grill. Or heck, even swing by City Super or The Wanch. They got some bottles there. Find yourself wandering over on Lama Island? Yardley Brothers even have a beer shack over there. Their new location is even closer to the Ferry Pier. They'll be serving cold pints from November. Visit their website for more information at yardleybrothers.hk. All right, this past week in the CIHL, there was only one game on the slate, which saw the Kowloon Warriors defeat the Hong Kong Tycoons in a wild one. The Tycoons jumped out to a quick 4-1 lead in the first, only to see the defending champs score four straight in the second period and hang on for a close 7-6 victory. Defensive standout David Belouche led the Warriors with two goals, including the game winner and one assist. Francois Esterhuizen was the second star with two goals, and Tycoon's newcomer, Nicholas Wieberg, had a breakout game scoring twice and adding three assists. Come out to Megabox this Thursday for a doubleheader featuring the Kowloon Warriors and the Macau Aces at 8.30, followed by the Hong Kong Tycoons taking on the South China Sharks at 10. The CIHL... Hong Kong's Elite Hockey League. Tonight's interview is brought to you by The Big Bite. Ah, oh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to talk about some food. You like burgers, ribs, hot dogs, milkshakes, or even some poutine? Well, you can find them all in one spot. That place is called The Big Bite. They got a cheaper-than-cheap deal on chicken wings. Three bucks. Only three bucks a wing. Tuesday nights in North Point. Wednesday night in Shek Tong Choi. Every Thursday night at the Big Bite Flame and Grill in Shek Tong Choi is steak night. For 100 bucks plus a little bit of service charge, you can get a 10-ounce premium Canadian steak with your choice of sauce and unlimited fries or salad. Right about now is when I used to talk about a Thanksgiving special that they had. I even remind you that Christmas was coming, and they had turkey. And speaking from experience, it was delicious. Speaking of delicious, you should go over to their North Point location and try their PB&J burger. That's peanut butter and jam on a burger. Sounds gross, but it's not. Don't agree with me? Come on over to the studio and we'll drop the gloves. Check out more information on their Facebook site at the Big Bite HK. That's the Big Bite HK. Go fill your belly. All prices are in Hong Kong dollars. All right, my guest today was born in Egan, Minnesota. He was a four-year varsity letter winner while playing in the top division of the Minnesota State High School Hockey League, captaining his squad and earning all-conference and all-state honorable mention accolades as a senior. After prep school, he went on to play junior hockey with the New England Huskies of the Eastern Junior Hockey League before signing on to an NCAA Division I program at American International College. After a four-year playing career, a double major in marketing and management, and graduating cum laude, 
He made his way to Hong Kong, where he joined INET Asia and started his coaching and playing career abroad. He's currently coaching the Junior Tigers program and lacing him up in the CIHL with the Macau Aces. Please welcome to Across the Pond, Whitney Olson. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. How you doing, Wet? I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you, man. It's been a long time coming. I know, I know. Got I've one been of putting the... it off way too long. Uh, glad That's I could right. finally make my appearance. Me too, man. Um, and uh, one of the original and first coaches in the Junior, junior Tigers program. That's Very right. happy to have you here. Longest tenured coach going for the Junior Tigers. There you go. So let's, get, let's go way back to a young Whitney growing up in Egan, Minnesota. Tell me a little bit about your family, your minor hockey career, and your, your early hockey experiences. Uh, sure. Um, so growing up in Minnesota, um, as I'm sure you guys know, being, being all Canadians, um, it's all about hockey there. It's like f- high school football in, in Texas. Um, you know, it's, it's the number one sport. So I grew up in a family with uh, two sisters. I'm right in the middle. Uh, my, my old man actually played college hockey himself. Uh, so he got me on skates when I was about two years old. Um, so pretty much my entire life I've been playing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what, uh, in your family, are your sisters hockey players as well? They are not. Okay. Um, they were mostly into uh, dance, gymnastics, uh, other sports. So, um, you know, me and my dad would usually go to the hockey and uh, my mom and my sisters would go off and do their thing on weekends. Right. Being from, like you said, being from Canada, we know the importance of hockey, but Minnesota is one of those hockey states in the U.S., right? So the it importance is. of hockey for you guys, very similar to us. Um, how about your high school career? So you started uh, playing high school. Um, it, obviously, high school is a pretty big thing, like you said, in, in, in the U.S. And did, did players actually choose to play high school over like midget programs and other things? Uh, they did. Um, a lot of people growing up wanted to play for their high school programs. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I was when I was a kid, I remember going to all the local high school games. Uh, those guys were like heroes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, to us Minnesotans growing up. Um, there were the odd few that would leave uh, high school, maybe go to the USHL, uh, start their junior career early, maybe even mm-hmm. prep school at some place like Shattuck. But uh, I'd say the majority of the top high school players did stay and play for their hometowns. Yeah, very similar to the East Coast. We, uh, <coughs> we really pride ourselves on our high schools as well. And, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of guys uh, choose to play high school over major midget or, right. or, um, or go into junior early. Um, tell me a little bit about your high school career and uh, some of the highlights playing in Minnesota. Uh, okay, yeah, we can get to that. Um, I know that you, would, you just asked about you know, playing midget hockey and yeah. things like that. So actually to take it back a few years... Um, I was playing for the local house league uh, growing up in Minnesota, um, and <laughs> something I've never actually told my parents. Uh, when I was uh, in middle school, you know, you'd see everyone walking around coming back from summer break. They'd like have a cast on their arm, and like mm-hmm. they'd look cool. They have everyone signing it. Um, so I went in. I have these dislocated joints here in my thumbs. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really wanted a cast when I was a kid. So <laughs> I went. Uh, I went to the doctor with my mom. She brought me one day, and uh, you know, I was showing the doctor. Um, you know, my thumb, it's out of place, it's out of place. He, he just pops it back in, you know, it's mm-hmm. just a joint. But uh, long story short, I got to get a cast. But this was like before the hockey season started. And this is just playing house league growing up. And, um, you know, the coach on like the traveling A team was worried I wouldn't be back in time, things like that. So I ended up being on the C team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the local leagues were pretty big enough to field probably five teams per age year. And uh, I was on the worst team. Okay. And, um, you know, I was... Uh, I thought a pretty good player at that time was a little bit, um, you know, disappointed I wasn't on the top team. Uh, Ended up scoring, I think, 50 goals in like 12 games Mm -hmm. on the the worst division. Um, And after that, that's when I actually got 
pretty serious about hockey. So, so my, my dad was uh, also disappointed. You know, I wasn't on the top travel team. Yeah. And uh, he took me for some tryouts for these uh, local um, tournament teams, AAA teams, midgets, that sort of thing. Uh, and that's really where I got started. Um, started playing 50, 60 games a year. Um, played for probably four years uh, throughout middle school. And when I was getting to high school, uh, you know, I would have the varsity coach come down. I'm, I'm in eighth grade, still playing midget hockey. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, what's the deal? Are you going to play for me or what? You want to be on the high school team? I'll put you on varsity as a freshman. I never do that. Uh, just, just come play high school hockey. He's like, don't go elsewhere. Yeah. Stay right here. Um, and eventually, I had no intention of ever leaving, going to play junior, especially at that age. All I wanted to do was play for the high school team. So uh, I eventually did uh, play for four years. Um, my sophomore year, we made it to the state tournament. Um, you know, for, for those that don't know, it, it is the biggest It's thing a huge event, a right? Yeah. Um, uh, the only way I can put it is it's a, a Wednesday afternoon, like a, a school day, a work day, um, just in the middle of winter. And XL Energy Center has 18,000 people for a high school hockey That's incredible, game. man. It was one of the best experiences of my life. I mean, obviously, I peaked yeah. way too early if that's one of my best <laughs> hockey experiences. No, but. but I've heard stories about this. Uh, well, and you've seen it. It's been on. It's televised. Yes. So yes. I've seen uh, I've seen this this tournament and how big it is. And it's incredible because, like I said, I, I aspired to play high school hockey as well. Like right. When I was a, when in elementary school and junior high, all I wanted to do was play for my local high school team. Right. So I can certainly understand that. And I can certainly know, uh, understand uh, how important it was to you and how big it was. No, it was a it was a really cool experience. Um, in the first round, we actually played against the. Uh, eventual state champion, uh, Creighton-Durham Hall team. And they had Ryan McDonough, yeah. uh, former captain of the Rangers, you know, um, stud in the NHL. Um, and that kind of broke our hearts. You know, it's um, the top eight teams in the state. We lose in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, if you lose in the first round in the quarterfinals, you get, you know, shipped to the Constellation Division. So we're playing at Mariucci Arena for our next game instead of the XL. You know, ah. So we, we're, we're at where the Gophers play versus where the Minnesota Wild play. Right. And, uh, you know, we were all pretty down on ourselves, but... Uh, we get there the next day to Mariushi Arena, and there's 14,000 people packing a college hockey barn. So it's wow. like the the level and, and, and love for hockey in Minnesota is just, it's incredible. I'd love to hear that. So you had four great years uh, high school. Did you guys play against uh, prep schools, or were you playing against uh, like just local high schools? And then when it comes to a state level, or is it the ba- absolute best teams? Right. Um, it is the best teams. Uh, there is a team, uh, Shattuck, who yeah, everyone that's knows. Who I was they they at. do have a prep team, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, all the other private schools as well, like I just mentioned, uh, McDonough with Creighton Durham Hall. So a lot of the private boarding schools. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a it's a level playing field when it comes to the hockey. Okay. But a lot of guys do stay and and play for their hometowns. Uh, you know, so not a lot of private schools actually end up winning the championships. It's a lot of the the high school teams that have uh, you know the really good hockey tradition, yeah. the up north teams. Um, you know, they maybe even have 500 people that go to their high school yeah. and half of them are hockey players and right. they just field some incredible teams. Well, we, I've always heard about Shattuck, obviously it has such a great reputation. So that's why I was asking because we don't have many prep schools on the East coast. we have a few and, um, yeah, they're always, you know, able to recruit players and, and bring players in from other countries and right. things like that. So that was really cool. Even, even though they, uh, for a lot of years, they're a lot, they're a lot better than most of the local high schools. It just makes you better by playing against, right. you know, these Russian imports. Plus it's super exciting <laughs> to play against Russians and like European players when you're in high school. Mm-hmm. So after high school, Whitney, you, uh, you went on to, 
uh, the Eastern Junior Hockey League with the New England Junior Huskies. Correct. So how did that happen, and uh, what options were there for you at that time? Um, there is a lot of different options. So there's probably three Junior Hockey Leagues when I was coming up that were uh, you know, notable for sending kids to college. Uh, right. USHL was probably the best of the best just in the Midwest. Uh, there was the North American Hockey League, which spanned the entire country. Uh, and there was the Eastern Junior Hockey League, which is now defunct, actually. Okay. I think it's the United States premier USPHL uh, now. But um, I got tendered um, by a team in the NHL that was an expansion team, the Wenatchee Wild. So, like, way out in Washington State. Okay. Um mm-hmm. You know, my dad didn't know much about that team, especially being being an upstart. Um, but what he did actually was make a very detailed spreadsheet. So my dad took this a lot more serious than I did okay. when, I, when I was a kid. Yep. You know, I thought, I'm talented. I'm a Minnesota high school kid. You know, kind of got a big head. But um, <laughs> he put together this spreadsheet and he showed me uh, distance to local colleges and universities playing in the Eastern Junior League versus the closest Division One team being to Washington State, which might have been in Colorado. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's saying if you go out and play in this league, the exposure that you're going to be able to get compared to playing in the Midwest where teams have to, you know, specifically travel to come watch you play, um, you're going to get a lot more college looks. And, I mean, eventually he was right, like he usually He did is. the work. Uh, he did the work for me. Yeah. Uh, and back then I wasn't putting in any of the work. Yeah. But, um, no, it's all about right place, right time. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, especially when you're getting that exposure, um, it just makes it a lot easier. I know so many players, um, you know, that have one bad game playing in the NHL, but yeah. they are phenomenal, you know, could easily crack a Division One lineup. And, you know, they just don't get the look. So mm-hmm. that's the reason I chose to go uh, where I did, and eventually it worked out. And tell me a little bit about that league and the level of hockey. And did you ever consider going to Canada playing junior hockey? Um. I did. The other team that I was interested in playing for was the Salmon Arm Silverbacks uh, in the BCHL. So I'd always known I wanted to go the college route. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I know we got some guys out here like Ben McCaskill played major junior. Um, But playing Division I hockey, especially as a Minnesota kid, was was always the ultimate goal. Um, And I just wanted to go where I could get you know, seen. Of course. And I mean, that's a big difference between um, Canadian junior hockey and American junior hockey right there. Mm. A lot of people aspire to play in the queue and think that's, they're going to go right from there to to pro hockey. Mm -hmm. And like Ben did, he he ended up playing in the CIS, which is an incredible league. Um, And uh, yeah, so you guys have a little different perspective because your goal more, more so to play in the NCAA, get a scholarship. The the NHL delusions. Well, not at least since I was like 16. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we've all had those delusions. <laughs> it just comes to a point where you just got to be honest with yourself. That's right. So uh, after two years playing junior hockey, you went on to play the highest level of collegiate hockey in the U.S. Tell me a little bit about AIC as your choice and uh, and the other choices that you had. Um, so oddly enough, I, I waited until maybe the last possible moment before I chose where I was going to school. Um, coming out of, of juniors after playing two years, I aged out, so I was... 21 going into school as a freshman. Um, I had a couple different opportunities, uh, one of which I wasn't smart enough for. Um, and I was actually all prepared to go to Tufts University, which okay. is a Division three school in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really good school. My parents were excited about the education I'd receive. But, you know, it was always my dream, you know. So I kept holding on, wouldn't commit to anything. And, um, you know, I guess it kind of came full circle with me being not being smart enough to play for this uh 
this Ivy League school, mm -hmm. um, a kid that was committed to AIC couldn't pass clearinghouse. And this was the week before camp started. So I got the call uh, pretty much as a replacement. And I say, hey, can you be here next week? You'll play Division One hockey. Sign up. Yeah. And, you know, I jumped at the opportunity. I couldn't say no to that. Of course. Uh, and there's so many different conferences uh, in NCAA hockey. And, you know, obviously you're from more familiar than I am. But mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about AIC. So they play in the Atlantic Hockey Association. Right. Where does the AHA, the Atlantic Hockey Association, where does that fit into the mix of conferences as far as, like, strength of conferences and the teams that you're playing against? Typically the worst. Okay. Uh, <laughs> generally, um, I mean, you have your, your powers, like your hockey East schools with – Boston College, Boston University. Um, you have your your Midwest schools with uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Ohio States, mm -hmm. um, and Atlantic. Um, you know is 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 near the bottom. But this was actually one of the selling points for me. Um, you know, you get to travel to some of the best schools in the country. Um, you know, you're playing on the same ice with these NHL draft picks. Um, it's just an experience. But um, yeah, just the the level of competition that I got to face when I was there was was enough for me to to want to go. Right. So some of the schools that you played against, tell me about those. Um, some funny stories there, actually. Like uh, Union College won the NCAA tournament my senior year. Mm -hmm. um, the last game that Union College lost, uh, this is the team that had Shane Gothspare. Um, he was the most outstanding player in the NCAA tournament mm -hmm. during their run. Uh, the last game they lost that season was against AIC. Awesome. And their coach publicly said it was the most embarrassing day of his life. He says, to lose to a team like this with the team that we have is simply unacceptable. After that game, they went on a run for the rest. They didn't lose a game. Yeah. It was the last game that they lost that season was to, was to my school. So you guys were part of the reason why they won at That's all. That's right. We kickstarted the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I'll take credit for that till the day I die. That's but, awesome. Uh, no, there were some, some really other um, you know, great opportunities as well. Um, we went to Michigan, um, played... Uh, Michigan University and Michigan State, which was phenomenal. Every year we would fly out to Colorado, play Air Force Academy, which is just beautiful, yeah. uh, especially in the winter. Um, and I got a homecoming of sorts, actually, uh, my junior year. So we played Minnesota State uh, at Mankato, who traditionally has a pretty good team, but I had you know, a whole crew of my high school buddies, my whole family, yeah. um, made the quick drive down, got to watch me play, um, which was one of the best experiences I had. Cool, man. Have to apologize to you guys listening right now. There's uh, some construction going on next door. So uh, you might hear that coming in and out. We'll do our best to, uh, to get rid of it. Um, so, Whitney, some of your stories from playing college, um, coaches, teammates, what are some of the things that stick out to you the most or some of your most fondest memories? Um, really, it was, it, it was the traveling, um, you know, and who we got to play against. Uh, so now AIC plays at the Mass Mutual Center, which is where the Springfield Falcons in the AHL play. Okay. World-class arena. When I was there, we played at a terrible uh, off-campus rink. Um, you know, couldn't generate any fans, anything like that. So we would always look forward to going on the road. Okay. And again, just playing at, at some of these arenas, um, you know, seeing the level of support, um, playing Army at West Point, you know, for example, they have all the cadets in the stands. Mm -hmm. They're just going crazy the entire game. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, easy, it's, it's, it's hard not to have a good time playing in an atmosphere like that. Of course. So four years of NCAA, who you've already mentioned, you, you got to play against McDonough and you played against Shane Gosses Bear. Uh, who were some of the other standouts that were in the NCAA at the time? Um, <laughs> in the NCAA, there was um, 
tons actually like it's i mean it's, that you've that you experienced playing against personally um actually i top of my head i i couldn't tell you i have better stories of high school to be honest. <laughs> that goes back to to me not being drafted and my career being a disappointment but uh i guess that's a story for a different day hey well we all have disappointments in our career why don't you tell us we don't we're not in a rush <laughs> Um, okay, so in terms of all-time career disappointments, so yeah. uh, I think in high school, my draft year was uh, 2008, mm-hmm. and um, for three consecutive years, there's uh, a kid from my division, like my conference, and conferences are only like six to eight teams in high school. Uh, for three straight years, we had a guy go in the first round. So it started with uh, David Fisher, who mm-hmm. was kind of a bust for the Canadians, but yep. uh, went 20th overall, I think right ahead of Claude Giroux. Um, you know, the next year it was Jake Gardner who, you know, went on to the Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so 2008 comes around. I'm seeing all these kids that I played against, you know, I was like, I had more points than this guy. This guy's <laughs> not even that good. You know, just being, you know, yeah. a high school kid. Exactly. Uh, I'll never forget the day I was sitting in the, the high school library as the draft was going on. I'm just clicking refresh on, you know, NHL.com saying, oh, that guy just got drafted. No, there's no way that I'm not getting picked, you know. Yeah. Um, but that obviously came and went and, um, yeah, my, my parents don't love me anymore. <laughs> <Ever since that day. laughs> oh my, that's hilarious. So, uh, you had four great years, man. I mean, not everybody gets to play uh, division one in NCAA, mm-hmm. um, obviously, uh, an amazing experience for you. And I, what I personally want to know is how in the heck did you end up in Hong Kong after that? Uh, that's, uh, another, uh, I guess, Interesting story. So okay. um, one of my roommates uh, and best friends, Jeff Chikachi, um, after he graduated a year ahead of me at AIC, uh, moved out to Beijing to, to teach English. When he was um, in China, he was actually introduced to Greg Smith, um, you know, who had been doing some big things with the, the CHG, the CIHL. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had secured a place for himself um, in Hong Kong. And after he spent the year in Beijing, um, you know, he was talking to me because he knew I was about to graduate, knew I probably wasn't going to go play professional hockey, mm. uh, and said, hey, this is a really cool opportunity if you want to see the world, uh, you know, keep playing hockey. And um, I actually ended up out here. Um, oddly enough, Jeff and I became friends with another former uh, CIHL intern, Jordan So, mm-hmm. when he was in university. Um, just an example of, you know, the hockey world being extremely small everybody knows everyone Mm -hmm. or knows someone who knows someone um jeff and i met through my uh my roommate in junior hockey um was jordan's schoolmate uh at trinity so um they were real close to us about 20 minutes down the road from from aic Uh, i met him once jeff had told me he was coming out here you know we got in touch with jordan he said it's great um and then i just uh pretty much like aic actually one week notice just got on a plane uh and came out here that's awesome, man. I was actually not selected for the program, believe it or not. Uh, I was rejected. Uh, another applicant was chosen over me. And um, I was told it has to do with the visas. You know, being Americans harder than Canadians, yeah. sure. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they uh, unfortunately had to, had to send that other intern back to, uh, to Canada. Um, so I got the late call, and they said, do you want to come out and, and join the program? And... I think a week later, I was on a plane to Hong Kong. That's amazing. And like, um, honestly, like I've seen you play, I've seen you coach, and without a doubt, the first thing that becomes very noticeable is your love for hockey, man. It's, 
you've got such a positive attitude around the rink. You got an infectious smile when you're out there, and the kids just really look up to you. And what is it about coaching and playing hockey here in Hong Kong that kind of fuels your passion for hockey? Um, it's just great to see because it is such a developing sport, you know, um, to to provide good coaching. So there was a time when I was, um, I think in midget hockey, where I I I got burnt out. You know, I would even tell people I only play hockey because I'm good at it. I don't, you know, have a, a passion for it, anything like that. Um, obviously, that was reignited later in my yeah. career. Yeah. But, um, you know, to see kids come out and, and want to learn and get better and play a sport that's not popular in Hong Kong, um, you know, that's something that fuels me. And it was because of, of good coaches who were motivating me um, mm -hmm. that kind of brought that love for the game back. That makes me want to do the same thing for these kids. Yeah, and it's so easy to see, man. And, like, you guys do such a great job. All the interns, all of you guys that are coaching in the Junior Tigers program, they're so lucky to have you all. Um, and tell me a little bit, like, so you were one of the pioneers uh, coaching <laughs> in the Junior Tigers program. Um, tell me about its humble beginnings and, and where it's at right now. Um, okay, yeah, so we started the beta program, I think, my second year at Hong Kong. So this is... I think the sixth year of the Junior Tigers. Um, and we started out pretty small, so like you said, humble beginnings. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we ran a couple different programs. We prided ourselves on being extremely organized, extremely transparent, um, you know, welcoming kids of, of all ages and backgrounds. Um, and it really just took off from there. Um, I know there's a lot of different youth programs. Yeah. Uh, I don't see any of them as professionally run, uh, I think, as the Junior Tigers. Um, and then once, like you said, you bring in coaches that, you know, are, are good with the kids, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's just kind of a snowball effect. Totally is, man. And uh, the other thing is, like, there are, like you said, there are other organizations here in Hong Kong. So for those of you listening, like the Junior Tigers program, there are other youth programs here. It's not just one organization, which is kind of strange because you think, you know, not a, not a huge hockey world here. How come there's different hockey associations? Right. But um, I guess they fuel each other. They, they compete with each other. It is very competitive. Yeah, and I mean, those kind of things, uh, I think, are good for business. Mm. What do you think? Um, I think so, too. Um, and I know that it drives certain people. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they want to have the best organization uh, around. Um, so it definitely, you know, is a big motivator. Yeah, that's great. So you also have a day job, Whitney. I do. Uh, you, I you do. Started... Unfortunately, I don't get paid to play in the CIHL. But... <laughs> when, you, when you came here and you were an intern for uh, Greg Smith's company, iNet Asia, mm -hmm. um, they eventually hired you the second year. Tell me a little bit about that job and, and what, I, what iNet Asia actually uh, stands for. Okay. Um, well, first off, iNet Asia is a digital marketing agency uh, based here in Hong Kong. Um, a couple international uh, locations. We have offices in Bangkok, uh, Taipei, Singapore, um, but, uh, essentially, uh, I work for the media division. We do things like search engine optimization, uh, paid media, things like Google advertising, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, when I first started, uh, I was actually working from my apartment, you know, so it was uh, a nice transition, you know, wouldn't have to be on all the morning calls. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. could pick and choose, uh, sort of my working hours, which is obviously a change now, yeah. um, being in the office in central, but, um, no, it was a it was a great learning experience for me. Um, you know, I was eager to start my professional career uh, coming out of school. Yeah. I didn't want to be a thirty five year old, you know, kicking around uh, minor level professional hockey. Yeah, uh, I wanted to get started with my with my life, and this was the perfect opportunity to come out and play hockey. Um, also have a job, also coach kids. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it kind of just checked all the boxes, yeah. and um, 
yeah, I've been here ever since. You no, know, you certainly took the smart route, man. I mean, like once you know you're not going to make a career out of, as a player, and you made the smart choice to, like you said, instead of making 500 bucks a week playing right. in a league, driving all over the place in a bus, and right. five years later you got nothing to show for it. You obviously took your schooling seriously, mm-hmm. uh, graduated with, um, you know, cum laude, which is uh, pretty impressive, and and then went on to work and, and took it seriously. But also, you're still getting this chance to coach here in Hong Kong. Right. Um, I don't know how much experience you had coaching before you came here, um, but what are some of the challenges that you guys face here as coaches that people may not even think of that, uh, back home? Uh, I think the culture is a lot different, mm-hmm. um, especially with, with the parenting uh, as well. So, you know, we had some some real hard ass coaches when I was a kid growing up, yeah. and that's pretty much what was expected, you know, in in Minnesota. Uh, you could get on kids, you could punish kids, you could make them skate till they puked. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of times my coaches would just put a, a trash bin right in the middle of the ice, and they would say, "All right, no pucks today. We're just skating," mm-hmm. you know. Um, so you come out here, and um, you know you got to get a feel for for how you're able to push and motivate these different kids. Um, you know, a lot of them are maybe more sensitive, so you need to, you know, handle them a little bit differently, mm-hmm. but, um, overall, uh, you know, coaching's coaching. So if you're able to bring a passion for the game, if you're able to connect with these kids on a personal level, um, it all comes pretty naturally. Right. And, um, like I said earlier, you guys do such a great job of that. The kids seem to really love their time out there on the ice with you guys. And, What's a typical, uh, like if you're in a, in a under 16 program here, how, how often are you on the ice? Um, there's two different paths actually that the junior tigers have. Uh, one is a competitive path and one is a recreational path. Okay. So, uh, for the recreational path, it's usually maybe on the ice once or twice a week with either a game and a practice or, uh, just a game, uh, sort of like a house league. Right. Uh, but then there's an elite path as well, which is something, uh, I know Greg and the tigers management have been um, trying to prioritize and this is um, you know things like team practices which you don't really see in Hong Kong which is great um, you're on the ice maybe three or four times a week competitive travels uh, tournament teams that sort of thing so yeah. um, you know there is a range of, of how often kids play but it is great to see that you know I see some of them three times a week out there on the ice yeah, when I'm coaching that seems to be a bit of a rarity here because um, if you don't know guys the uh Cost of ice time here is about two thousand U.S. dollars an hour. Um, yeah, an hour. Yes. So a little uh, bit different from where we grew. Yeah. Up. So nobody's showing up, paying ten bucks and getting an hour ice time like we did back home. But drop um, in hockey. Right? There's no drop in <laughs> hockey, right? And um, that, it, it makes it kind of an elitist sport here. Mm-hmm. Do you find that trickles down a little bit um, with the kids that you're working with? Is there like I don't mean to say sound like um, no, I understand. Um, I, I think there there is an aspect to that, obviously with hockey equipment um, yeah. and and ice time cost. It is going to be on the higher end um, in terms of money you need to invest in in your children. So we do see a lot of families that are well off, um, you know, compared to a sport like soccer where you need to just rent a patch of grass yeah you know you need all the equipment you need to pay for the ice time um but we are addressing that actually with the tigers organization as well um there's something called the big assist program Mm -hmm. um and that's you know providing underprivileged children with the opportunity to learn the game um you know and i think it's great because where where i grew up uh there were a lot of families that you know weren't as well off, but their kids were still able to play. Right. And some of those kids are the ones that make it very far. Um, 
yeah, so I think it's I think it's a, a really good initiative. Yeah, it's definitely a um, very common uh, theme, it seems, uh, all over Asia. Of course, ice time's hard to come by. It's mm-hmm. a very expensive sport. Um, and uh, Scott Murray mentioned, he's in Bangkok, he mentioned on the podcast last week how you can't even buy used equipment. Right. So, like, there's no played against sports or there's no secondhand shop where you <laughs> Those can go. Those used to be my favorite. I know. Played so, against sports, I would go, I think, once a week when yeah. I was in uh, high school. Yeah. And there would just be some unbelievable finds. Exactly. Like so, unless you have. A vintage stick, paired gloves, like 10 bucks yeah. US, you know. If you don't have older brothers or you don't have secondhand shop, the people that can afford to buy equipment here, mm-hmm. um, it's really expensive to buy stuff new here, as you know. Right. Yeah. So let's get into the CIHL now. So the CIHL is Hong Kong's elite hockey league. Um, Obviously, you've been playing in the league since you've been here. Why don't you give me your overall thoughts on the league first? Um, I think as soon as I got to Hong Kong, I was very pleasantly surprised with the level of play. Um, You know, coming from uh, I just graduated uh, in the spring and I came out in the fall uh, to Hong Kong. So I was still, you know, accustomed to playing at a very high level. Um, I got here and it was, it was very competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, the league tends to be uh, a bit top heavy, but, um, you know, that's sort of by design as well. Um, we have a mandate that each of the teams takes, uh, an, a minimum number of under 18 players that mm-hmm. are local, uh, you know, help mentor them, develop their game. Um, but, but the top level, um, you know, they're all, CIS uh, or NCAA guys, so yeah. um, you know it's pretty good hockey. It really is, and we talked about this earlier. One of the one of the big, like you said, there's a it's top heavy, um, mm-hmm. and you guys don't get to practice. You don't have the opportunity right. to get out there and, and work on your power plays and mm-hmm. your breakouts and stuff like that. But there's certainly are a lot of really talented hockey players in this league. And um, you mentioned you got the under eighteen players, and mm-hmm. kind of the purpose of having them there is to introduce them to an, a more elite level of hockey right. with, where there's body contact. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about that? How does that, how's that been working with the under 18 kids? How do they enjoy playing with some, like some of you guys are in your thirties and forties and played really high levels of hockey and you're right. playing against a 16 year old mm-hmm. who's never had been hit before. Right. Um, I personally, I, I think it's great. Um, you know, one of the cool things about being here as long as I have, um, my first year as an intern, I was coaching some of these kids that were 12, 13 years old. Right. Uh, you know, we'd go to tournaments. They were they were kids. Yeah. You know, and uh, one of them now is my line mate in the CIHL. Right. You know, he's 19 years old, playing yeah. college hockey. Um, just to be able to see that progression and then, you know, have them look up to you for as long as they have. Um, you know, it's it's really cool to play with. Yeah. And you guys, like I said, there's so many great players in the league. Um what are some of the events around Asia that you guys were able to be part of um, and what kind of level of hockey when you put, because I'm imagining it, I haven't seen you guys with your all-star team, but right. I know the, the top players in the league and, and I can imagine mm-hmm. putting them together on one team. Tell me about that experience. Okay. Um, well, there are two different paths for this as well. Like okay. we talked about with the Tigers, the recreational yep. elite. So there's a tournament that we go to in Bangkok every year uh, and it's actually over Christmas obviously it was can or sorry uh, over Halloween yeah but it was canceled this year um, due to obvious reasons but mm-hmm. that's more on the recreational side get the guys out for a weekend yeah um, but in terms of some of the high level hockey that we play um, you know we played against some of the top competition in the region um, we took a um, all-star team of CIHL players down to Australia, uh, played a three-game series with the Perth Thunder, um, who's a professional team there. Mm-hmm. Um, we won a, uh, that series two games to one. 
Um, took a similar team uh, to Shenzhen, where he played against the Yokohama Grits, uh, who are now in the Asian League, so one of the top divisions uh, out here. Um, similar result, I think three very close games uh, came out on top with a 2-1 um, win, but uh, you know, on that, that Grits team, there's uh, a couple t uh, players that are on the, the Japan national team. They're playing against, you know, Crosby, McDavid, those yeah. guys in the Olympics. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it is very high-level hockey, um, and it's a fun experience to go play in these serious tournaments as well. Definitely. So, the, obviously, the, uh, the level of hockey that's available here just keeps getting better, like, year by year. Right. And the more, the, the more, uh, the more players that are here that are playing at a higher level, the more opportunities you're going to get to continue playing. Mm -hmm. So, you've been in Hong Kong for six years now? Correct. Um, what improvements have you seen, and, and what do you think the future many, holds here? Too many. We've got to stop bringing in these young kids, you know, <laughs> fresh out of college. Uh, it's a young man's game, yeah. uh, so I've, I've adjusted my game accordingly. Yeah. Uh, last year, I played a whole season on defense. Mm -hmm. Just get too tired to skate up and down the ice these days. But uh, no, in all seriousness, the, the league just keeps getting better and better. Yeah. Uh, I think it's in large part to the CIHL internship program. Mm -hmm. um, I think about, I want to say definitely over 50% of former interns are still here in Hong Kong. Um, you know, some of the guys I've already mentioned, Jordan So, mm -hmm. uh, Ben McCaskill, myself, we're all part of that program. Um, Devin Welsh, who was uh, the original intern, um, you know, when this whole thing started, he's still here uh, as well. So every year they keep bringing in younger guys and, yeah. the, and the league gets better and better. Yeah, and the league is getting better and better. Obviously, every year it's it seems to. Here's the thing. Here's a question for you. So, when you first started, uh, the numbers, the number of North American players in the league compared to local players was huge. Right. There was a huge gap there, mm -hmm. right? And I think I read this year that forty percent of the players in the league are local now. Right. So that's something that you guys must be really proud of. Yes. Uh, there's been a big, big push um, from from league management, um, you know, to attract some of the local talent. Um, you know, there's. Uh, Obviously, Hong Kong hockey is going to be a, a bit political at times, um, you know, so it's tough to get these guys maybe to, to cross lines and, you know, mm -hmm. play in the CIHL. But being the top league, it's going to attract the top talent. You know, um, there was one national team player, uh, I think, two years ago that came up to me and said, hey, I've been watching the CIHL since it started. It's been my dream, you know, to play in the CIHL, almost like it was my dream to play college hockey when mm -hmm. I was growing up. So being the top league and having people look up to you, um, you know, that way is obviously going to continue to to attract, you know, that local community. Well, it's so important. You have to like you, you guys have been part of developing these kids uh, from an early age mm -hmm. and you need a you need a local hero. You need a guy who makes it to college and then makes it to pro. Right. And then some something for the locals to look up to. So just keep plugging away, man. Like these things are coming. You guys are doing such an amazing job. Uh, what do you think the future holds for hockey here in Hong Kong? Um, I really think the, the potential is really unlimited right now. Coming from where it was even six years ago, which is not that long ago, um, you know, seeing the, the sort of grassroots effort to get more kids involved. Um, we know even in, in, in China with the NHL China Games, they have the Olympics coming up. You know, there's a bigger and bigger push. Mm -hmm. Um for ice hockey and we're, we're seeing that firsthand with both the coaching um, and the CIHL as well. It just continues to grow and grow. Uh, you know, we need to bring in more coaches every single year just mm -hmm. to be able to handle the amount of programs and, and different courses that we offer. Yeah. 
So Whit, I'm I'm looking forward to the uh, the rest of the CIHL season and uh, being a part of it with you guys and and watching you guys teams get better throughout the year. But what's next for you personally? How long do you see yourself being here and what what's on the horizon? Um, you know, they when I first got here, uh, a lot of the the expats and the guys were telling me there's um, certain milestones that you hit. They say yeah. if you're here for a year, you'll be here for three. If you're here for three, you'll be here for seven. So I'm right under that that PR status yeah, right now. Because you want the PR I once you get past year, three years. Yeah. And then I'm, you know, free to come and go as I please. But um, I genuinely enjoy what I'm doing. Um, you know, I, I, I love my my day job. Um, it's obviously cool to, to still get to play hockey at a high level. So, mm-hmm. you know, I have no intention of, of going back right now. Um, I'm definitely happy where I am. That's great, man. Uh, the city's uh, definitely better off having you here in the in the hockey world. And I want to thank you uh, for everything that you guys do, all of you at CIHL and the China Hockey Group. You guys are doing amazing things to help build hockey here, and uh, I look forward to to following it for years Appreciate to come. That. All right, Whitney, thanks a lot, brother. Thank you. All right, that Appreciate was Across the Pond, and that's a wrap. All right, thank you to our amazing sponsors. As always, The Big Bite, Yardley Brothers Beer, Van Maren's Photography, Sunset Studio, Print House Limited, and Asia Sports Tech. Finally, thank you to Lauren Orris and Fiona Chow, who have helped us as advisors and liaisons to Hong Kong's hockey world. To support the podcast, check out our amazing merchandise on our website at acrossthepondhk.com. Check us out on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at acrossthepondhk.